I'd like to welcome everyone to today's episode of Truth. And today's guest, we have Nick Richardson with us. And Nickerson's Nickerson, sorry about that. Nick served in the United States Army, you know, 13 Bravo Field Artillery from 99 to 2003. You know, he's currently in the process of writing a book, you know, to actually serve for military veterans and first responders alike, you know, to promote, you know, mental health, mental well-being and everything else. And welcome today, Nick. Thank you for having me on. And another thing I forgot to cover as well, too, is behind me, you see Greater Veterans. It's another nonprofit organization that Mr. Richardson founded, you know, and he's going to get into during the course of this broadcast, you know, what that serves, the different resources that it provides to the veterans and first responders alike. So, again, welcome, Nick. Thank you. Always. And then, so, so starting out, I know that you joined military fresh out of high school. Now, during, you know, childhood growing up, what led into what? Did you have a specific influence that said, hey, I'm going to serve country, family, and everything else? Or what was the specific, you know, entering to military, to the Army? Well, I mean, since I was, you know, knee-high to a grasshopper, hopefully some people get the analogy. Uh, you know, my grandpa had showed me pictures of his service in the Navy, uh, seen Mount Vesuvius. I grew up on John Wayne, Clint Eastwood, you know, um, Big Red One was one of my favorite World War II movies. Coincidentally, that was a unit I got put into, so that worked out great. So, I mean, I, I grew up with, you know, a patriotic spoon in my mouth, meaning that it was something I felt compelled to do since I was very little. So, I mean, and, you know, it, it made sense with where I was at in my life when I got out of high school, too. So, And, and I'm sure that means a lot going in as well, too, you know, it's because you know what to expect in a sense. You know, there are some people that just go in blindly. Like I myself, I did it for a sense of camaraderie, a sense of family. You know, and it's – I know a lot of veterans will probably get pissed at me saying this, but I'm just honest and upfront where, you know, I didn't enlist in the Marines to serve country. I mean, yeah, that was forethought, but I did it for me. I needed that sense of discipline. I needed that sense of structure. I needed that sense of, you know, fame and camaraderie. You know, and the, the serving country and everything else, you know, kind of went hand in hand with that. But, you know, so that's why it's important to me. That's why I always ask that first question of what led into that, because then in service and it's, you know, kind of why, you know, you follow up with that service as well, too. And I commend you for that. So, you know, thank you for your service then and your continued service now. I mean, it, it means a lot. And I appreciate that so much. Well, I appreciate that, too, and your service as well. It's it, it's tough to say, like, I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, I had the best upbringing. You know, I grew up on the wrong side of the tracks and I wasn't, you know, I'm too young for the go to war, go to jail age like a lot of people are. But, you know, it was like, OK, what am I going to do? Am I going to stay in a dysfunctional household, go bake groceries or deliver pizza? Or am I going to go overseas, do some cool stuff and uh, get an education while I'm doing it? So I chose, you know, obviously to go overseas. So. You know, another thing with that, too, is that, you know, a lot of individuals that do enlist into the armed forces, regardless of which branch, you know, a lot of times we go in blindly and we don't realize the resources, whether it be for education or for family, that we receive by enlisting and that they're followed thereafter and everything else, too, to where we can, you know, increase our education, increase different benefits for our said families and everything else alike as well, too. So, 
you know, again, yeah, you know, yeah. the commending on that. Now, you know, another, you know, cool thing about where you are actually stationed in Ledward and like where that, what that facility is actually serving today, because, you know, it's no longer, you know, a station house per se, but they are yeah, using it for the education and everything else too. So, you know, how was that experience while you were serving in Ledward? Uh, it was it was eye opening. So a little bit about my desire to go to Germany specifically. Uh, I'll give you a little history on that, so it kind of ties together better. But my grandma um, is German on my mom's side. She grew up around uh, Wiesbaden, and uh, her village was taken over by Russians at the end of the war. And if you know anything about that side of history. Stalin was basically giving these Russian soldiers free reign to rape and torture these women as they felt necessary. So, and that's factually true. It's kind of a hard fact to pull up, but it's true. So she got out through a hole in the wall and met and married my mom's dad, who I'm not a fan of, and uh, obviously came to the States and did all that. Well, so I had kind of a tie to Germany anyway being part German myself, I guess, through ancestry. So when I went to Germany, I wanted to go. I got lucky and got that in my contract. So I got stationed in Schweinfurt, Ledward Barracks, where you're talking about. Uh, Ledward Barracks was actually an old Third Reich barracks. And there's actually Ledward, Con Barracks was the airfield. And then there was another place that was an ammo depot down the road. And all three of these places were connected underground by tunnels. And they closed them, I want to say, in the late 80s because soldiers used to, you know, go under the tunnels and go party and, you know, do what soldiers do. So they closed them down, but they're old Nazi barracks. And uh, sometimes at nighttime you would hear certain things when you drank too much or, you know, it could be just the booze talking, who knows. But... It was kind of cool to be in that side of the history. So, you know, little quick background on my German and wanting to go there and everything like that. So, what well, and history is important in everything that we do. You know, it's how you know you, I, the American people, the world itself got to where we are today. You know, whether it be advancements in technology or you know understanding little tidbits of history, to where you know things that seem vulgar or you know, oh my God, I can't believe that a human being would, you know, torture individuals a certain way. You have to understand their culture. You have to understand their environment because that does yes. play a large role into different societies, different governments, and, you know, how it's ran and how the people in general are affected by that. So now, were there, was there anything during your, your tour and your service in Kosovo that, you know, because uh, Sam Livingston, one of our, my other guests that we had, you know, we were talking about culture here in the States and, you know, how a lot of us grew up in homes to where, you know, in a sense, we're racist because we've never been exposed to other cultures, other environments, other ethnicities, races, whatever the case may be. But then you have that other side of culture that a lot of American people aren't exposed to, such as, you know, over in foreign countries. So, you know, how much did that change from, you know, being an American your entire life? to being deployed and your service in Kosovo. Was there anything that was, I mean, not necessarily life-changing, but in a sense, that was kind of an awakening, you know, for you? Well, I mean, you're, you're talking about a war-torn country where a genocide happened in modern history. 
to understanding why the Albanians hate the Serbians and vice versa, and they've been hating each other for over 2,000 years, and then America and NATO think we're going to walk over there and be referees and, hey, you guys can't hate each other anymore, and then all of a sudden it's going to work. So, I mean, you know, it's kind of tactically speaking, it's a big mistake to begin with. But when you go over there and you see how the people live and you see, you know, 10-story buildings looks like someone dissected them perfectly in half from all the bombings and war, and you see, you know, kids running all through the countryside, dirty as can be, barefoot, trying to, you know, sell soldiers cigarettes and DVDs and local products to help pay their bills so they don't go home and catch hell. It's 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 depressing, but at the same time, it makes you proud to come from where you came from to be able to show them, hey, look, let's get on our feet. Let's do things the right way. Uh, you know, let's figure out how to bring diplomacy and democracy to your country like we're supposed to have here, even though now we don't much here either, but that's a different discussion. It's one of the things, too, where, it, you know, I've always believed in the draft. I really believe, and, you know, a lot of it's, – it's a hit and miss with a lot of people where I really believe that every U.S. citizen should – I believe they should bring back the draft. I really do, you know, because – I mean, the flip side to that is you're going to have individuals that will never draw a firearm because of their certain personal beliefs and things like that, which, you know, in, in lieu could actually jeopardize you, the squad, anything else as well, too. But in the same sense, that actual that discipline, that structure being instilled in individuals lives and understanding, you know, what solidifies the very freedoms that you, I, our families, our businesses and everyone in this nation are able to sustain. You know, I, I believe that is vital. And, you know, and also, you know, the different luxuries that we get to take advantage of here in this country that go go to these third world countries and then kind of question about the different freedoms that we do have. Whether, I mean, education alone. I mean, some countries don't allow certain education to certain groups or, you know, but yeah. I'm not going to all that. But, and I believe it's important, you know, again, going back to what we were just talking about with history. You know, understanding these things, you know, help put, you know, retrospect into the gratitude aspect of us being here. And, you know, individuals like yourself and the, you know, the veterans you support here for what they've actually, you know, given to ensure and enable, you know, because, you know, another thing that I kind of get like lashback about is the word sacrifice, you know. So when we enlist knowingly, you know, we're going in to receive something, everything else. And that's part of the job. So is it a sacrifice? I mean, yeah, yes, it is. It's a knowingly sacrifice that, hey, I'm willing to go, you know, sacrifice my life for this. But, you know, it's the it's something that it, it takes a special individual to say, hey, you know what? I'm willing to sacrifice myself for the greater good of the American people and things like that. So, again, I commend you for everything that you you know, have done and continue to do. Well, I mean, I I agree with you on a lot of that. I mean, the draft is kind of a double-edged sword because you might get someone that might not be there or might cost someone else their That's life. By, so, I mean, it's – I don't know. It's at this point not necessary, but, you know, if our country continues down the path it's on, maybe it might be necessary just for the very least to instill some patriotic pride in people. Um. You know, it, it's, it's just, I don't know. I never, I never went in really 
thinking about death. I mean, yeah, it's part of the job, but you focus on the mission. Like I was big about not carrying pictures of my family with me in case of, you know, adverse events, that kind of thing. And I, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I didn't really think about it to be perfectly honest. I wasn't sitting there saying shit, I could die. I mean, when you have near death experiences, when you're serving, whether it's in training or on deployment, when you get, back to where you can actually have a beer or something you think okay that was a little <laughs> little uh close for comfort there and then you just drive on that's what you did you know it's one of the things too they did like psychological studies about frontline soldiers and as to where that death factor is really non-existent or the whole time we're running at gunfire and our minds were sitting here thinking and this poor bastard next to me is about to get shot. You know, we don't we don't associate yeah. death with ourselves or anything else like that until like like you just said at the end, you know, whether you're in a choir practice and you're sitting around drinking that beer that oh yeah, hey, skim by yeah. by the skin of my teeth, you know. So that's how it is. I mean. And then now, so getting into greater veterans. Yeah. Now it cut. It kind of goes hand in hand with what I was saying before about, you know, during your tour in Kosovo and, you know, your experience from 99 until 2003, was there something that you've seen in service or was it the, the coming back home and seeing the complete disrespect that too many Americans have towards our military veterans, law enforcement, first responders in general, or was it the lack of programs, which, you know, a lot of people get it misconstrued. It's not that the Veterans Association doesn't want to provide for our veterans. A, they're understaffed. You can't have, you know, one counselor or one, you know, doctor for 200 plus veterans. You know, that staff to rate, the staff to client ratio, you know, has to increase. The funding a lot of times isn't there, but there are plenty of grants and things like that out there. And then there's special individuals like yourself that promote, you know, organizations you know, to better the veterans. So, you know, what was instilled in you that created the whole greater veterans? Well, so uh, he's probably not watching this right now because he's a busy guy, but my uh, sergeant when I was in, Juan Soto was his name. He always instilled since I was a private, you know, mm -hmm. until I deployed to Kosovo, uh, taking care of our people. That was kind of instilled upon me from him when I was in. And then, of course, from my grandparents growing up and, all that but that was a piece of it but when i got out i saw how understaffed the va is but what people don't talk about too is they use a lot of funding for things they shouldn't and then there's programs like mine by us being grassroots and independent from the va i can do stuff they can't because i don't have as much government funding most of our funding's from either sponsors whether they come on as permanent or temporary from uh Sometimes we have politicians speak at our events and rather than put their money in a pack, they give us some of their campaign funds, which is legal. Um, you know, a variety of income sources. I put money in myself, of course. So it just, it just kind of depends. But a lot of what I started this for was because I seen a lot of these services that I'm doing were non-existent when I got out and they still are non-existent. I mean, there might be one or two of them somewhere but all of them as a whole hasn't been done anywhere in the U S and that's, that's kind of why. Well, and that's just like with the homeless veteran population, it, there, there is no reason why the homeless veteran population should even exist at the, 
astronomical numbers that it is. You know, again, going back to, you know, I had you know, Sam Livingston on as a guest. And one of the things that we were talking about in that was one of the programs that he does, you know, the Homes for Heroes, to where in the population to where the veterans numbers are so low in the overall population, the ones that are homeless is actually higher than like actual people in the, and it's, it's insane when you think about it, you know, again, going back to, you know, where is the funding for this? You know, why should they be, you know, living out? Well, it's there, like that? it's there, but you got to keep in mind too, like, you know, PTS, PTSD, they used to call it back in Patton's era, combat fatigue. And then you look at the first Rambo movie, you know, he obviously suffered from it. A lot of Vietnam vets, you know, that are homeless choose to be that way because they don't trust the government. So we're not accurately, you know, monitoring numbers, whether it be, you know, the vets that really don't want to get help. They just want to be left the hell alone versus the ones that need help and can't get it for whatever reason. Like, for example, it's hard to get VA benefits for your military incurred disability if you don't have a physical mailing address. That's got to change. Another thing. That's uh, a great point. You know, I another thing, too, the VA system as a whole is so quick. Oh, yeah, you got this, this, and this wrong. Okay, let's do some labs. Okay, here's 15 drugs to throw down your gullet, right? Why are we not looking at holistic things? Um, take Boone Cutler, for example. He did, He's a big – Boone is a big uh, CBD – marijuana advocate and that helps certain vets and then you look at other things like stem cell research that helps some of us recover from injuries granted there's inherent risk with everything but we're not looking at these new approaches and then just like they say militarily we're fighting the past wars war with where we're at now well in my opinion what i've seen sitting on congressional boards and different things like that is we're actually two wars behind on our veteran services and then obviously the new not to touch on that too much right now but the new vax mandate for all federal employees that's obviously gonna trim down the va staffing as well and uh, <laughs> you know i've i've suggested to the uh, congresswoman here um that we need to do a program like they have cops, for example, nationwide. I forgot what the program's called, but if you move into a higher crime area, a certain percentage of your mortgage gets forgiven and a certain percentage of your student loan debt, right? So we have a lot of medical universities right here in Spokane. Why do we not have these young, best and brightest students out of Washington State University, University of Washington, Eastern Washington, why don't we make them do some kind of internship program? We're saying, hey, guys, check this out. Come work at the VA for three years. Bring your new program. We'll write, write off X amount of your student loan debt. So we're not forcing these doctors to, you know, run before they can walk. And you're bringing new resources and new ideas to the veteran community. But, yeah, you're also giving these doctors a sense of what veterans go through so that if they see them in a private practice down the road, they kind of understand what we're going through as veterans too. So why not kill two birds with one stone? That's a great point. And again, so for the viewers at home, I'm trying to convince, you know, he actually is thinking about it himself. That's why I'm trying to push him to convince it as well too, that, you know, Mr. Richardson here is actually thinking about running for office, you know, and a lot of times actually just taking that step and running can awaken, you know, a lot of other individuals' minds, 
because when you have individuals like yourself Nick, that you know yeah. have experiencing things in real life issues rather than the, the power democrats or even the power republicans you know that are not really focusing on real life issues you know you look at the you can look at the past elections going back into the 80s and it's the same thing every election that they talk about and you never really see the real life issues being addressed you might hear a promise you know thrown out as a tag word or a catchphrase but you never see anything being done in the course of that administration you know and that's why it's important that individuals like yourself individuals that you know come from real life you know and it's why like you know a lot of individuals love him or hate him when donald trump ran that's why he you know had such a big following was the fact that he wasn't that political guy that was just about politics it's real life shit, you know and it may be on a different level but it takes you know civilians in the civilian sector that are just as qualified to run for office as anybody else just go get you some signatures and state your cause and you're on the ballot you know and it's the i want you to well, run i mean it's the regardless of the outcome you know you're running will promote individuals to you know stand up and actually start making that difference because that's what it's going to take well here's what here's what bothers me uh on a political front right so you got the mainstream republican party now has essentially became what the kennedy democrats were and then majority of the modern democrat party you can use marxist communist socialist uh, you know, I know this word's unpopular to throw around, especially given my German descent, but uh, almost Nazi-like in their approach on things. And the American people are either told to sit down and shut up so they do, so they don't get, what do they say, deplatformed or lose their job or whatever. But then you got on the Republican side, you have rhinos. And, uh, you know, I'll say openly who some of them I think are is, you know, Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, there's... Uh, Liz Cheney, obviously, there's a few that are just holding a seat warm for someone else that's more qualified just because they have name recognition uh, and can out fundraise them. I mean, you look at like, say, even here, in, I'm in Deer Park, which is about an hour north of Spokane, which is my hometown. But I left Spokane because the mayor that got elected and pushed by the Republicans isn't really a quote Republican. And like she recently lost 31 firefighters because she allowed the fire chief to do a vaccine mandate. And she's not very vocal. She was a news anchor for 30 years. It was never a field reporter. Whereas a buddy of mine who's a Republican ran for mayor, he was a highly decorated army full bird colonel, worked in mortuary affairs, multiple combat deployments, decorated firefighter, leadership experience, right? He really did lead. And they pushed her instead of him. And now he's moving to Texas. So we're losing a qualified leader out of our community here. And we're stuck with her. And I told people I didn't support her. I never will because she's a weak leader. And, I mean, you got to put your, your ass on the line, as we say, sometimes for what you believe in and suffer the consequences. And, I know what it's like firsthand. You know, I've been homeless. I've lost houses. I've had bankruptcies, as has President Trump, coincidentally. Um, you know, I've, I've been through a gamut of stuff myself with and without my family. And, you know, I recently walked off a federal job over mandates. And that's what I'm saying. I can identify with 
the common man and woman a lot more than a lot of these people with a, you know, what ton of money in their bank accounts. And that's what I'm saying is people focus on getting the 20% left or the 20% right when they forget that majority of Americans are somewhere in the middle, you know? Thank you for sharing. You know, yeah. I mean, that's, that's not things you have to come out and disclose and things like that, but that's the important things to where, because that's when you can actually relate because real life experience has happened to you, has happened to your family. And, and that's what individuals need for leaders, you know, because you've sustained that loss, you've overcame that loss, you've seen what kind of caused that loss. And it's the, it, that's how you want to, that's how you address an issue, you know, and you don't just talk to someone, hey, what went on? And, oh, okay. And it's swept under the rug and it's not discussed again, you know? So that, that's what it takes for a true leader to actually kind of come out and say, hey, look, this is what I've been through. This is what I've seen of how it happened. And this is what I think that if it was in place, you know, not just myself, but so many others would never sustain the losses or anything else that, you know, we do sustain on a daily basis, you know? So, you know, it's important that, you know, you yourself speak out as well. I'm going to come up to bring you on here as well too. And it's, it, we have to do it together, you know, and, you know, kind of to piggyback on what you were saying in regard to the fire chief, you see that with law enforcement across the nation as well too, to where, you know, for some reason, all these different policies have been redone to where individuals, because they can pass a test, you know, they, they might have been on the force for fucking two months, take the test. Now, all of a sudden, you're superior and they have no field experience. They, they, they don't have it there. You know, rather than taking, you know, the veteran that's been on the force for 20 years and then saying, OK, hey, now let's you know promote you into that. You know what I mean? Because you've actually had that real life experience. You know what it's like to actually go in there and get it done, you know, within policy, you know? So, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's a big issue, you know, and you, we are seeing things change and they kind of, you know, piggyback again off of what you were just talking about, you know, in the comparison of different government structure. Again, with history, it's important, you know, American people, you know, they believe the media or they might try to Google something for the information, but it's a half truth or it's not really what you need to know to where, you know, a food is a weapon. Okay. A lot of people don't realize that, you know, kind of going back into Nazi Germany, the communism and everything else that these other countries use for the control of people. The same thing is happening with this mask mandate, vaccine mandate and everything else. But the, you know, people in their robot ways, you know, needing somebody to hold them by the hand and guide them through aren't really paying attention to the realities that are happening as you know, they just do it in increments. A little at a time to where full control was gained. And that's how you do it. You know, you act like you're doing somebody a favor. It's for the better. And it tricks your mind. Oh, this is just to help us all as a whole. And it's not. It's, the, it's their little gambit that they're playing on their big chessboard. That, hey, this is how we control people. You know, they, they look at people as being dumb. They only know what you're being told. So they take the real education out of the schools. They take the real education out of the, off the TVs or off the radio or anything else. That's why I do what I do. You know, to put the truth behind everything. But, you know, all of a sudden, you know, there's shortages on food. How? You know, you know, how are the different policies on farmers across the nation being affected? You know, it's these well, they're paying them to destroy crops. I mean, for one, they're giving them three times the crop value and, you know, saying, hey, destroy it or we're going to destroy you. You know, I mean, yeah, what do you just, do? It's, 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 well, it's a Gestapo like tactic. I mean, you know, you look at, you look at kids wearing masks, you know, I've spoke out against the school board here and, you know, I 
try and watch what I say publicly as much as possible, but whatever it is, what it is, the superintendent of that school, he's, you know, a limp, you know what, you can fill in the blank. He, you know, well, the state's saying this, okay, screw the state. You know, you're still an independent school district. Well, why do we have to follow this? You know, kids are at the lowest risk. What are you doing to a kid by saying, put this piece of cloth over your face? Are you trying to teach him that you're going to stop mosquitoes with a chain link fence? (laughs) I mean, if you look at, if you look at a mask mandate and you look at a mask, right? I wore one because I had to for work when COVID first came out, right? My wife tested positive April 1st of 2020. And that was when it was still scary that we're all going to die, right? I tested positive April 13th. Everyone where I worked at the time uh, with Homeland Security at TSA was scared shitless of this. I was the first one to catch it. But guess what? I taught with my experience, everyone else, even people I didn't like, what I did, what worked for me, what does and doesn't work based on my research of having almost a month to deal with it between her and me. And no one died. Everyone recovered, right? And I I did that. I didn't have to. That's not part of my job. And that's what a leader does. But here you got people pushing the narrative, supporting the bowl. You know what? I'm trying not to cuss. I apologize. But, you know, it's you got to make a personal choice. And it's like once you let the government take a freedom, no government history has ever taken freedom from the people and given that freedom back. Right. I mean, I think I shared it today, but there was a hearing between uh, Jerry Nadler, who's, I can't stand the guy, and Chip Roy from Texas talking about the Second Amendment, right? And our Second Amendment was put in the Constitution to re- resist a tyrannical government or an oppressor, foreign invader, et cetera. And nobody actually you, reads into that. I'm glad you just said that because, and again, it's with the media. It's like the media and the news talking about the Second Amendment. They, everybody's afraid of losing their gun rights. And that's not the reality of it. If somebody read the entire Second Amendment, like you just said, I mean, it gives us the right to form militias against the government that is trying to take away the freedoms that the whole Constitution in itself and the foundation of this country was put in place to do. So, Well, and the media has kind of stripped us of that right because you're supposed to constitutionally maintain a well-regulated militia, meaning – you're not bringing lawbreakers and criminals into your ranks, but you're just training and doing what you're supposed to and carrying a firearm. And that's why it was written the way it was. And you have people that think the word militia infers uh, white supremacy, which it does not. You have, uh, you know, people think that firearm rights only have to do with hunting. And I told one of my coworkers, it's hardcore left. I said, I'll make you a deal tomorrow in briefing, if you can show me where the word hunting, not just the Second Amendment, but anywhere in the Constitution is used, which it's not, I said, I'll kiss your bare ass in briefing in front of everyone. And he goes, well, it's in there. And I said, well, prove it. I'll kiss your bare ass. I'm, I'm secure in my manhood. I love women. But I said, if you want me to kiss your bare ass, if you prove me wrong, I'll do it. I got in say another word. Yeah, I mean, that's the, tr- that's the truth, though. And it is. And it's just a the self-ignorance, you know, and instead of people educating themselves to these very truths, you know, it's the, they continue to just, you know, let whatever they're hearing feed into that and educate them to where, you know, anybody, and that's like where, you know, my whole thing is not, not all knowledge is not always knowledge. And it's not, you know, I mean, anybody can tell you something. If you choose to believe that, yes, it's knowledge, but it's false knowledge. You know what I mean? So, I mean, 
everybody needs to do their due diligence, study the history, you know, study the actual facts laying there, of, you know, and people just don't know that they don't take the time to do that, you know, and, well, and I mean, that's also a big problem. Well, look at like here. Here's one that'll throw some people for a loop. You look at uh, which I'll say currently unpopular Civil War family donated the land that Arlington is based on, which is uh, of course the Lee family. And so, if America is so racist, do you want every soldier instead of laying together, or Marine, or Airman, or Sailor? like we should do you want people of different genders and races and political affiliations dug up and you want to do that i mean if you don't know your history you're condemned to repeat it and if you get rid of monuments and statues you're not erasing history you're not changing the fact that it happened so i think it's kind of pointless let's focus on how we can grow together better as a nation let's talk about like your podcast is called Truth, you know? I mean, there's a reason, uh, for example, President Trump named his social media platform True Social because, you know, in the Bible it does say the truth will set you free. And whether you believe in God or not, that's your right. We fought for that, right? But let's let's get back to being America again, meaning we have intelligent civil discussions. We don't take to the streets and burn stuff down over, you know, discrepancies. I mean, if you if you want to dive into that stuff, uh, you look at like your Jim Crow laws, for example, those were put in place by Democrats, believe it or not, or, you know, Lincoln, first Republican president, or, you know, 22 of the first uh, black congressmen were Republicans. And I'm not trying to push one party over another, but I'm just saying, let's talk about facts. Let's look at facts, not opinions. And, you know, if you have a different opinion, fine, cool. Let's sit down. Let's have a beer. Let's talk about it. Let's Let's get back to that, America. If you don't like guns, okay, cool, but don't take my right. That would be like me as a guy that likes dogs telling you you couldn't have cats. I mean, that's how stupid it is, right? Okay, you, you, you don't like guns. Why? They scare me. Have you ever shot one? No. Okay, cool. Well, let's go with a qualified instructor. Let's train. Let's go buy some ammo. We'll start with 22 just so I don't upset your snowflake. You know what? <laughs> And uh, let's shoot. Let's see how, how, what you think. Let's find a gun that fits your hand. You know, if you want one in pretty pink to make your feelings more stable, let's do that. Let's, you know, but I mean, we're not, we're not having these discussions. No one wants to have them. The news doesn't want to share these stories. Social media wants to censor it. And that's a problem. I mean, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I just, it, it sickens me and it angers me all at the same time. And it, and it is. It's the, that's the truth for real, you know. And it's just like, you know, individuals don't even really know the difference between both parties, or like, you know, all the different parties we have now, for that for that matter. But yeah, you know, like with the Republicans, you know, the the whole founding principle of the Republican Party is centrism, meaning the equality of individuals. But each individual is to do their fair share to maintain that equality. You know, and that's the big misconstruction. And you're going to have good and bad. I don't care what, you know, party one person follows, you know, and I, this this isn't even a political conversation you, I, and the viewers are listening to right now. This is the reality of what affects you, I, our families, our businesses, and us as a whole in this nation. And it's important. And it's the individuals walking around blindly of why it takes, you know, you know, your 
organization and other organizations alike to actually you know give these provisions to individuals because they don't have and it's because of the leaders we have in office not understanding the real life that we all go through <coughs> excuse me i'm sorry but that's what it takes though you know and it's that knowledge of you know the founding principles of what each party stands for you know and it's the I could go on for hours about this, but that's what's Thank important, you. you know? I mean, it's just that, you know, everybody goes into the voting polls and a lot of individuals, they don't even know what they're voting for. They see education, yes. They don't realize that by them saying yes, they're actually taking away, you know, different funding or different things that, you know, the children would be receiving and stuff like that as well, too. It's that, you know, we don't educate ourselves as American people in the difference that we can make, our families can make, and just how one little step could make the greatest difference, you know? So again, I commend you for, you know, speaking out and being so open about some of these things because I'm the same way. It's just that if we don't talk about it, it's unknown to people, you know, and you, you, people hear one word. It's like, Oh my God, I, I can't believe he's talking about this. You say the word Trump and you're going to turn off like 10,000 viewers, you know? And it's just like, why, you know, explain to me. And like, I just, you know, I commented to somebody the other day. I said, look, man, I said, here's the, here's the reality. And I just put a whole plethora of different policies and how much growth the American people, not the American government, how much growth the American people actually received under Trump's administration. You know, regardless if you like him as a person, regardless if you like the way he talks, who gives a shit? As long as that individual providing us those provisions and policies that are growing us as American people, I don't give a fuck what language they speak. If it's benefiting myself, my family, my businesses, you, your family, your business, it's the, that's what matters. And that, and that's what a lot of, you know, individuals are so blind to nowadays because they don't want to hear this conversation because they're turned off when they hear any opposition about what their opinion is. And that's, that's the real problem is that it's somebody's opinion rather than the actual truth of what lies there in front of both of us or all of us, you know, so. Well, I mean, where was, uh, you know, you got fuck Joe Biden or let's go Brandon, whatever one you prefer based on your beliefs. But there wasn't that going on when Trump was there. Yeah, there was rioting, but I mean, you know, you had that, certain that people. Was, that was instilled writing. That wasn't, that, that was instilled well, writing. Yeah, week. I mean, last time I checked inciting a riot's a criminal offense in every state, but yet no one was prosecuted for it, right? Not as heavily as they should have been, but heaven forbid you go in the people's house unallowed. And now there's people, you know, from January 6th that are still incarcerated without official trials, even being or charges being filed uh, in substandard living conditions. You got people that are coming here illegally getting offered 450,000. And, uh, and veterans like, are homeless. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, I, you know, it, it, it's just, it's, it's insanity. I don't know how else to explain it. And it's like, you know, we run into the same thing, you know, getting back to the nonprofit a little bit, not that I'm on the political stuff either, but we run into pe people thinking that a nonprofit is like McDonald's where I'm supposed to have a million served on my sign and go on TV and hand out big checks to veterans. And it's more in depth than that. There's a lot of issues we work on. There's phone calls. When I was still working for TSA, you know, I'd get up at one thirty in the morning, drive to work to be there by three thirty. I would talk to a suicidal vet on the phone countless times 
just have a conversation with them and, you know, talk them down on my way to work and start my day off like that. How many of these pansy assholes out there could handle deal starting their day like that, you know? And that's what I'm saying. There's so much more to what we do than just write a check, do this, do this. You know, we work on legislative stuff, advisement. We try and bring up veteran speakers and guests and mu musicians to a community they haven't been in to help grow their message if it aligns with ours, you know. And there, it's just, it's so much bigger than just what people see. There's so much behind the scenes stuff. And, you know, politics are the same way. I mean, there's PACs and super PACs and, you know, people getting slip money to pass a bill. I mean, take, for example, this recent COVID bill that they passed a couple months back, right? depending on which news source you go to, even though that none of them are really quote news sources anymore. 30% uh, of the bill on average was actually for COVID relief. And you're giving members of Congress, House, and Senate uh, a 10,000 page document and 48 hours or less to read it. I mean, that's insanity. No one can read that fast. You couldn't even photocopy it that fast. And then you look at like, say Washington state, um, and, you know, I want to talk a little trash about him because I think he's a walking, talking piece of human garbage. But uh, Governor Jay Inslee, right, him and Bill Gates should uh, take a long walk off a short plank, if you know what I'm saying. But uh, Jay Inslee, for example, and the Democrats in Washington state, and again, this isn't picking on a party, but it's factually correct. Uh, locked out unvaccinated members of the House recently. I mean, how's that not national news? So these people were elected by us, the people, based on what we thought aligned with our beliefs in whatever district or precinct, right? And you're going to say because you're unvaccinated, you can't come in the people's house? Get the hell out of here. I mean, come on. That's, that's insanity. They should be they should legally be allowed to kick in the door because that's their job. That's their appointed place of duty. That's where they need to be. That's their but, house. <laughs> yeah. We, as the voters said, okay, Mr. or Mrs. So-and-so is representing our town, our district, our area. We want their ass in there legislating on our behalf as our voice, which is, you know, representing the people again, constitutional, right? And yet they're being locked out because of a vaccine status. I mean, another thing on top of that, too. So, <clears throat> so like down here in Florida, okay, Fisher Islands, you know, off of South Beach, Miami. And mm -hmm. in order to go on to Fisher Island, you have to go yeah. over. Like, so we have like we have this little pure pharmacy down in Miami that you can go in there and you get the nose swab done. And within a couple minutes, hey, you're cleared, you know, but yet. You look at it to like to, like what you're just saying. You know, individuals going into the house, they don't even have that to where who cares about being vaccinated. Hey, if if I come in here and I show a negative test, which I, I don't believe that it should be a mandatory. Uh, that's that's a whole different story about rights and everything yeah. else too. You know, but you know that's not that wasn't even an offer. It wasn't even a suggestion that hey, as long as you take this test and you come in negative, hey, you can come in here and attend these proceedings. That's that's not. It's not legal, period. You know what I mean? And especially like you just said, when it's individuals that we elected to represent us, our voice. So now you're you're not just shutting them out. You're shutting yourself, myself, everybody else out that wanted that voice expressed for our behalf. 
You know what I mean? So they didn't just shut up one person. They shut up the community that they were representing. And that's that's not fair. That's not legal. It shouldn't be how our government is established, you know, so. Well, and that's just it. And, you know, not to go too far political, but I mean, it's it, I, I recommend and I don't personally know her, but her name's Chris Ann Hall. She's a, a army veteran. She was a God, I can't can't remember her whole background, but she's actually lives in Florida. But she does a lot of constitutional law and stuff. She has a it's I guess it's more of a briefing, but it's like a movie. It's broken up into segments based on constitutional law and it's called non-compliant. It's about peaceful non-compliance, what the constitution says versus what people think it says. And, you know, it's, I think it's an hour and a half, two hours long. I sat up late one night and watched the whole thing. And, and I agree with it a hundred percent. I mean, the state's, the elected officials of the states, right, <coughs> represent the people in that state. And then that state essentially gives the government power. So essentially every state in the U.S., which I know Texas has tried several times and legally they're allowed to, can secede and become its own, quote, country on its own, separate from the U.S. government. And I'm not advocating for that by any means, but I'm saying it's perfectly legal because that's our constitutional right. The government doesn't exist without the people in the states, right? But people don't don't research that. And, you know, we run into the same thing with, you know, VA benefits, and I'm a victim of it myself. Uh, I got out and I figured, well, you know, my leg's not blown off or, you know, I didn't get shot. I don't deserve benefits, right? Well, here's the thing. The contract you sign with the government to serve is the same as what you sign with your car insurance, right? You ha They have to indemnify the car, make it whole again when it's broken. It's the same thing with VA benefits. What you go in 100% or with whatever pre-existing conditions they allow you to enter with, right? If anything on there worsens or something new comes up, per their own contract, the government is liable. So, you know, veterans need to stop feeling bad about, you know, taking benefits that are theirs because the money set aside, if it doesn't get used in whatever budget year, it gets wasted on something else like paying someone that doesn't deserve to be here $450,000. Another thing, too, um, another one of the benefits that you just speak of that's kind of overlooked, if you will, is that on hearing loss. And you're seeing, you're seeing, yes, it is. I mean, you're seeing a lot more veterans realizing it but it's not being addressed and it's kind of like oh well hey that just happened naturally and like you shouldn't have a government like you just said that provided you a contract guaranteed you certain provisions upon being you know whether your your tour ending or you know your service ending and then receiving that you know like you just stated you know if something became worse because of a specific service you know the that's your right to receive that treatment for that and to have that addressed to whatever issue you have. You know, and hearing loss is a big one. A lot of combat veterans don't even really pursue that. They don't even really kind of recognize it because it's like you just said, oh, my leg wasn't blown off. Or it's just that, oh, hey, I can still hear. But, I mean, not being able to hear at your full potential, it's still your right to be able to hear just before you entered your service, you know? So, 
Well, and that that's just it. And it's like, you know, I, I tell people, like, I personally, with greater veterans, we don't touch claims. We have great people that will, that I can put anyone in contact with. I personally don't because, yeah, I know a fair amount, but there's so much little idiosyncrasies within it that have to be filed. I don't touch that stuff. I don't do housing because, you know, again, if I put a veteran or their family in a house and the, it looks good on the outside and the landlord talks a good game and then he, he doesn't replace the smoke detectors, for example, God forbid, and they, something happens then that hurts my name. That hurts what we do, you know? So I, certain areas I don't touch, but I work with people that do, um, mainly just claims and housing are the only two things I don't touch. I'll still help out with, but I don't directly get involved. And, and that's a great point, you know, and that's one of the things as well too, that, you know, a lot of these organizations, you know, cause I have a few nonprofits as well, but it's the, they don't actually stick to their niche of what they were really trying to provide. Like, you know, at least you're able in your organization to say, well, Hey, you know what? I'm not going to focus on the house. This is what we provide and stick it to that. And a lot of times you see a lot of individuals, a lot of organizations, a lot of businesses that spread themselves so thin because it's like the, I want to heal the world. And there's way too many issues to heal the world, you know, that for one organization to do. So knowing your niche market, but then, Kind of like going back to what you were saying as far as the reasons behind why you don't provide housing. You know, I do it all the time to where I'll provide information. And then, like, especially with today's generation, you know, they're so short tension span to where, you know, if they can't read all of it in five minutes or watch all of it in five minutes, like you were just watching that show you stayed up the other night to, like, listen to her. It's nobody wants to do that. It's like, the, hey, if I can't get all the information I need in five minutes – it's irrelevant or they'll read it for a little bit and say, Oh, I know what it's all about. You know, like, well, that's why clickbait works so well because it's a catchy headline. It works on me sometimes too. I'm not going to lie. We're all, we're all victim to it. I mean, it, it works on me as well too, you know, but, but it's, that's the reality of it though. And that's why it works is because, you know, media example, you know, that they run studies, they have think tanks everywhere of what works of how the American people respond to the people in the world, basically how they respond to certain things. And as they, you know, adjust all of that, that's how they get people lured in misinformation, miseducation and everything else is being, there. you know, so it's it, in, in that knowledge, you know, people really need to start spending more time in indulging in that knowledge, listening all the way through for what you have to offer. You know what I mean? Rather than, Oh, Nick spoke about this for five minutes. And then it was like, well, did you listen to the whole thing? You know, I heard him say they, this and they turned it off. Well, they don't, they don't like, so I'm not going to give them any more credit than they deserve, but there's a nonprofit like started by a veteran that's from California that moved up here. Right. And they started with good intentions, but they rubbed a lot of people, including myself the wrong way. Right. I'm actually from here, started here, have some national reach and try and do as much as I can. Right. And I've tried to help these guys. They don't listen. Well, one thing that they don't like about me is they claim all we do is music because we always have music at our events. And I said, did you ever sit down and think maybe there's some science and psychology behind it? He goes, well, what do you mean? And I go, you realize anybody, not just veterans with traumatic brain injuries, which you can get them from being an MMA fighter, a construction worker, you know, 
a hundred different things, right? But you realize our events aren't just for veterans. We bring the community involved, and I'll get to that why in a minute. Families. Yeah, but the thing is, when I put a guest speaker, I mean, even if I brought, you know, Jocko Willink up, right? People will pay tickets. They'll pay high prices to see him. He has a great message. Don't get me wrong. I know people that work for him, not to pick on Jocko or anything like that. But you can put up the best guest speaker you want, and after they're done, people are going to leave, right? And that's good. You get a message from a speaker. But where you really get the message is when people stick around and have beers or soda or whatever during a concert. And you're standing next to this lady or this guy and you find out your uncle went to high school with them or they served in a different unit with someone you served with or they remember you when you were a kid. You used to wrestle with one of their kids or whatever. Right. That's where the true magic happens. And that's why we do music at our events is because people tune out a speaker after so long, but they don't turn out music, right? They don't, they don't tune it out. Well, here's the other thing. Aside from the science and everything else, when I'm bringing the community together, when you get out of the military, you're on what I call vet island, right? Because one to 10% of us, depending on stats, have, will, or are serving. It's really more like one in seven, but you got to figure family and relatives in there. So you're over here on Vet Island trying to reintegrate into a community where majority of the people have no idea what the hell you've gone through or going through or think, right? And you're expecting them to understand. Well, imagine if I put you in a situation like one of my events where there's a live concert and music playing, you happen to randomly get talked to or talk to someone else and find out you have some common ground that big ice wall in front of you starts to melt and dissolve and you start to come home. So there's more science behind what I do than people realize just because I don't get on the nerdy science spiel all the time. And the other thing we do with it too is we either work with primarily patriotic musicians, but like last summer I did a free concert series up here paid for by sponsors where I didn't make a single penny. I paid every artist because of COVID exactly what they asked for. I didn't haggle with them at all like we normally do. And five of the artists were veteran artists to include, you know, like Amelia Presley related to Elvis. She's a Coast Guard vet, um, played the Grand Old Opry. We did Farm Jam up in Colville Labor Day weekend. Uh, Scooter Brown Band, he's a good friend of mine. He's a Marine vet, uh, plays out of Nashville does some nonprofit work, has one himself. So, I mean, we always bring up all these vets, local and national, whenever we can. Um, we're going to be working with, like, Shannon Book, who, you know, used to be in that national band, vetted. He's a vet himself, a Marine. So we always try and work with veteran musicians, too, to help them grow their cause, and that's kind of what helping veterans achieving greatness means. And our motto is, you know, your idea of greatness, his, her, whatever is different. So we work with everybody we can and try and help them promote their cause within our cause, you know, get them out there, do what we can, give them a new audience kind of at our expense. Well, another thing too, though, is like with music, it's the reason why commercials are successful. I mean, there really yeah. is science behind music to where, you know, sometimes the tones, the melodies and things like that, it readies your mind for information you're actually about to receive. And it's, that's a true science to where like, you know, certain chords or, you know, different tones, it readies your, it, it sounds stupid, but that's the science behind it. It actually readies your mind for 
reception of knowledge or what's to come. That's why the only thing that is patentable or copyrightable within a song is that first five seconds of that song, yeah. the intro. That's why you can hear us, oh, hey, that's this tune. You know, and one of the things like for music history that kind of started that was you had Hell's Bells and then you had Metallica's For Whom the Bell Tolls. So you had ACDC's with uh, Hell's Bells and Metallica's For Whom the Bell Tolls with that that intro bell. And it was like, oh, that's that's my kind of intro. You know what I mean? But it's the little things like that, because that first five seconds is the it's tuning your mind for what's to come, you know. And so, music well, I mean, look at Jaws. Look at, look at Jaws. Yeah, you can be sitting at home, passed out on the couch with a beer in your hand. Um, not that I've ever done that, but I heard it's great. Me neither. But uh, <laughs> nowhere near water, and someone plays that music, and you're going to get up and look like, holy shit, where's that coming from? I mean, it works. Michael Myers. Yeah, same thing. I mean, you see a guy dressed up as Michael Myers, and you know, you're like, eh. Do so you have a knife? Do I need to handle this, or what's going on here? You know, it's that sense but, I mean, of yeah, but it works. I mean, like if you go on—I hate to say it—but Netflix or Prime or any of those movie streaming sites, right? And if you go to watch a preview of a movie, I mean, you'd look at the music, and if the music and the graphics don't entice you, then you're not even going to watch the damn trailer, and it's. You know, that's what I'm saying is it's it works and it's fun. We've made a lot of great friends, you know, just by having the music aspect. I mean, there'll be people that, you know, you put a big name on stage and I have and I've lost my ass on it. But it'll come to see him because it's a big name. They don't want to miss out on seeing this person. But then at the end of the day, they don't give two shits. But then you put music up there and they get to talking to some random person. You know, it's. I don't know. That's kind of what we like. So, like, we do a lot of stuff. Uh, well, it does. Like I mean, because it becomes it becomes inviting to where, you know, a crowd that generally wouldn't come to one of your events comes to your events. And then, again, something like music makes it relevant to the whole family to where you can bring your kid, to where the kid don't have to just be bored listening to a guest speaker that, I'm not going to say it doesn't apply to them, which, you know, a lot of times these guest speakers, it, you know, I don't care if you're five years old or 500 years old. You know, it's the something's going to be said that's going to be relevant to you, whether it be in, here in the now or sometime in the near future and everything else as well, too. So it is vital. Well, well and that's what you got to do. But I mean, like we do we got coming up. Uh, our last one we did was 2019, but we always did a Christmas party at the VFW that I'm a life member of. Well, now, since I'm living out here, it's kind of a drive. And friends of mine own a brewery here, and they're good people. And they stayed open during COVID, and, you know, got screwed with by the state, of course. So I try and pay it forward and work with them a lot, help put money in a young family's pocket, and, you know, do the right thing for the community. And uh, so we're doing our Christmas party up here this year. And a friend of ours actually plays them all. Santa looks legit, everything. So we're bringing him up. We got two veterans, maybe four by then that are playing the board and I dress up as our modern version of classic Christmas characters. Like you've seen pictures probably, but the last one we did, I dressed up as an elf and I wore fat girl yoga pants cause I'm a big guy. And you know, I know how a Hooters waitress feels. I kept my pouch where it needed to be. If you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but, uh, 
but no, but we do that because it's fun. I got a buddy who has a reindeer costume that dresses up, and it's just, you know, we have Santa there for the kids. We got our own photographer. It's something we do that we normally don't even accept donations during that event. Um, sometimes we'll sell merch, but that's about it. And it's just kind of to help a local business, help the community shake some of the fear and have a good time. And that's, you know, we like doing that type of stuff. And, you know, I'm as macho as they come and I don't like making a fool of myself, but if it helps lighten the mood, and make the community great, I'm, I'm happy to do it. I mean, you know, a lot of that you know, goes my, with the camaraderie as well, too, that, you know, we learn in military, you know, that, that sense of family and things like that. And when yeah. you have veterans like yourself that give back to community, that's why it becomes so natural is because of that camaraderie that was instilled, you know, while in the service that, you know, we're actually able to give back to the families in the community, you know. So, again, you know, commending you on that. That's because it's, it's those and it seems like a little thing, but it's on such a larger scale of how it really does affect, you know, the, the mental well-being of everyone within that community, you know, that, hey, somebody else actually cares, you know, so. Well, I mean, it, it's fun. Like, I took a risk last summer. We had, uh, first we had the Girl Scouts present colors and a buddy. Fairchild here. Hold on, let me hit this button. Anyway, um, he was a retired base commander. Now he works with the Girl Scouts, and that's kind of one of the things he gives back and helps out with the nonprofit when he can, too. And, uh, had the Girl Scouts do colors. Well, the next event, we're supposed to have the young Marines and no offense towards the Marines, but they kind of uh, flaked out on that one a little bit. So I'm like, well, crap, what do we do? So we had another buddy do the Hendrix rendition of the national anthem that was real cool, right? And uh, while I was there, this little boy about eight years old comes up and he's like, my dad's a Navy vet and uh, my grandma says I can sing the national anthem. And I said, well, buddy, I hate to be a jerk, but I'm not going to put you up there until I know you're ready. And uh, how about this? How about if I hear you sing it live first and then I'll put you up there? And they sent me a live recording of him doing it. He was good to go. So I, he wanted one of our greater veterans flags. And I said, okay, I'll make you a deal. You come to the last three shows, do the national anthem three times, I'll give you a flag. And so we did. And, you know, it's, it's just stuff like that, you know, coincidental encounters, you know, his dad's a Navy vet, he's patriotic. It's, he wants to get into the music business down the road. It's just, providing opportunities for people. It's just kind of fun. You know, when random encounters like that happen, it brightens my day too. Cause you know, you're trying to set up an event stressed out. And then well, another thing just... too, that's maybe overlooked by a lot of the viewers now. And even in that instance to where it also instills, especially in the youth accountability, you know, mm -hmm. Hey, show me this first, you know, making individuals understand what it takes. That's why like, <clears throat> I don't want to get into a different topic about like, participation trophies or anything like that but yeah you know that you know accountability to where hey you know what if you do put in the work you're going to get what you want and it, and it seems so simple but that's a big thing that you did for him you know what i mean you made him understand that oh hey look i am worth this i'm going to put myself forward i am going to receive the trophy that i deserve now because i put forth the effort to you know to prove this to mr richardson you know so that's awesome 
Well, I mean, it's it's just that's what America is. Like, I, I tell people I don't care if you're the most famous vet or person in the world. You always have an opportunity to give back, right? Like, like people, you know, they, they find it, I, I guess, shocking when they find out these musicians don't all play for free. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you, you do realize that people have bills to pay. And they're like, well, what would you charge if I wanted you to come speak at an event? And I said, well, you know, airfare for sure. I mean, I'm not going to charge you some stupid booking fee unless you're a big business. But, you know, I'm happy to help wherever I can. And that's what I do. I don't hoard my contacts. I don't, you know, you know and I, I want to I want to tap in real. I don't mean to cut you off, but I want to cut in right where you're. I mean, because you're talking about this right here. And it's one of the things that aggravates me because, you know, again, I run nonprofits and stuff like that as well, too, to where. You know, a lot of the American people, even worldwide, you know, they hear the world not they hear the word nonprofit. You know, they don't understand because every not if you're a deemed nonprofit and you're a 501c3, you have to disclose your financials. Yep. Dig, dig in to a nonprofit. Only 15% of any nonprofit, any foundation, any charity, only 15% actually goes towards the cause. Why is that? Because it takes people. It takes facilities. It takes the provisions of whatever it is, whether it's food, housing, whatever the case is, to provide to the people. Okay, but without the people running the nonprofit, there is no service. So the people running the nonprofits deserve the salaries that they receive. They, now, some of them are a little overboard. I'm not going to start, you know, getting into that argument, but that's why you deserve to get paid for what you do. I mean, period. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, well, you should just be doing this out of the kindness of your heart. Well, how am I going to feed my family? You know, if I have this nonprofit right here and I want to be able to spend 100 percent of my time making sure that all the veterans that come to this organization are going to receive the provisions that they need. I am going to have to be able to step away from my life doing whatever else I was doing and dedicate myself to my organization. And you're, well, and enti you're entitled to that. I mean, you deserve that. Yeah, but here's a fun fact about us, since we are, you know, grassroots and everything. I literally, I kid you not, in six years have never drawn a salary because we don't get enough in donations. The only thing I ever charge the nonprofit for, anytime we do new merch, I obviously wear whatever it is. And then if I have to go somewhere because gas, thanks to, you know, let's go brand in there, gas prices <laughs> are higher than he is. Foxtrot Juliet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Bravo. And so if I'm going, if I'm taking an hour drive to go pick up merch, which is about how long it is, depending on traffic, I have to pay for my gas. But that's literally the only thing that comes out of the nonprofit that even goes to me. Everything else goes to artists. It goes to merch. It goes to programs. Uh, if people are like, hey, I think this guy would be great or this gal would be great to bring up as a speaker or a uh, musician, then that goes towards travel costs, booking fees, hotels. Like you said, there's a lot of hidden fees in all this people don't get. And then they also don't get that, you know, it's, it's hard to get donations. Wounded warrior, like I tell people, and I've said it publicly and I'll say it till the day I die, fuck wounded warrior, right? Everyone's like, why are they such scam artists? I said, here's the thing. You don't need 15 calendars a year. You you were started by five lawyers after 9-11 in Not, New None York. of them veterans, by the way. None of them veterans. Thank you. The thank you. I none was just them. getting to that. 
And then everyone's like, oh, my God, I'm surprised they suck. It's like, I'm not. I never donated a penny to them, and I'm proud of it. They had a cool logo, a cool marketing campaign, and they blew smoke up a lot of asses. And then they paid the right people. And and, and some, some, them- some people did receive benefits. Again, some people. And, again, that was out of a pool of people that, again, those lawyers felt that, hey, you know what? We have to show that we're providing to somebody. Let's go ahead and make to somebody this person. You know what I mean? It wasn't really an organization. They did it as applies to be able to say of why they exist. And that's a reality. I don't care what anybody says. I mean, I'm always open for debate. I have the facts. I have the numbers. I know you do too, Nick. You know, but it's one of the things that it pisses me off when you see stuff like that. The same thing with Black Lives Matter. A lot of individuals say, oh, yeah, hey, this, that. It was started by the Democratic Party. You know, and if people want to argue with me, I have the facts. Pull up their financials. None of it's going towards inner city schools or, you know, benefiting individuals to get them from the slums, get them off welfare or do anything else or, you know, the African community as a whole. Nothing. It's going into funding other different, you know, political candidates and everything else like that. It's well, where, where, where are these athletes like I call them lame Braun James because I can't stand him, but. <clears throat> I mean, where are these athletes helping their communities that they came from? I mean, like me personally, I, I, I want to do great things, but I want to be able to do them and give back, right? Like, well, he, there's he no reason. He has a basketball camp that you can pay to go to. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. It's like, here, here's the thing. Let's just say you had more money than Trump and Gates combined, right? When you die, you can't take it with you, right? I have a I have a saying I teach my kids that I came up with and it's leave a legacy worth remembering, right? And it kind of goes with the man in the arena, the man in the mirror thing, or woman, whatever you want to say, right? Is if you if you can't leave a legacy where someone's like, hey, I'm glad to know this person, uh, they did a lot of great work, you're proud of what you've done, and it gives you a good feeling. Why do it, right? And that's what I say all of the time. So, for example, I, I told people if I ever ran for office, why couldn't I donate 20 or 30 percent of my salary back to greater veterans or to another nonprofit? Why do I have to do black tie, snobby, stuffy stuff as fundraisers for that? Why couldn't a politician bring up some musicians, put on a concert and have fun, get more people to come out instead of just elitist? Why? I hate wearing a suit and tie. I'll tell you straight up, I'm a blue jeans and t-shirt kind of guy. You know, why, why is and it's it? relatable? You know what I mean? It's just, I mean, it's, it's relatable to your audience. You know what I mean? Again, I'm one of you, you know, rather than, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of out of sight, out of mind type things about like symbolism. You know, my whole background, I got my bachelor's in behavioral analysis and it's one of them things. That, so I'm always cognizant of this little things, you know, but it's yeah. the same sense of why a judge when you go into a courtroom of why they're sitting up higher and looking down on you, it's that, that precedence and stature of society. And it's that same thing, like you just said, where, you know, you see these individuals going up there in a suit and tie, like, Hey, I'm more important than you. I got something to say rather than just going up there as you are like, Hey, I am one of you. I'm, <laughs> I'm here because I am one of you, not because I want to be able to come up here and, delegate what you're supposed to be doing or how you could be living or, Hey, I got this, I got this little morsel right here. If you need it, you know, <laughs> it's like, it, it's crazy. Huh? It, it really is, you know, and it's, you shouldn't have to wear the suit and tie to be that person 
to be able to get the funding to be able to you know represent you know greater veterans it, it shouldn't have to be all of that it's the hey i have a real service and then going back into what you were just saying about like these big celebs to where you know they have these agents that hey you know what we could do to promote you let's say that you're giving to this cause and i'm not going to say there's not some that are doing it you know keanu reeves is like an actor that really does have you know the passion about what he does for other individuals i mean he's sacrificing his salary to give to others so that they had an uh, opportunity but you know you see a lot of these celebs sports stars that their only cause of donating is the tax write off portion of it you know what i mean and it's disgusting you know and here you know we have you that you know you're spending out of pocket money you know to ensure that others are allotted the opportunities a lot of the provisions a lot of the resources you know and it's like you said earlier, you know, if you don't actually have the provisions that they're, you know, requesting or in need of, you know, you have your other connections that, oh, hey, you could probably go over here and receive that same, you know, provision. You know, that, that's just your heart. That's your passion behind that. You know, there's no facade like, oh, hey, we have it all come here and then having to delegate where they have to go. I mean, it's just it, it's. Well, and that's why. Well, and that's why, you know, eventually when our centers open, if we can get one of these in every state, it'll help because we want to, you know, call it the EVAC Center, Every Veterans Assistance Center. But EVAC has a military connotation, you know, getting out of a bad into a good, right? But it'll ha be a one-stop shop. Will there be services mainly geared towards the vet? It's a place the family can come in certain events like concerts, guest speakers, holiday meals hiring events, you can have the community engaged too. So it's like a VFW on steroids, essentially. And that's why I think, you know, if every state could allot even 7% of their budget, let alone 1% to veteran services, stuff like I'm doing in other essential services like service dogs, recreational programs like these yoga retreats and art therapy and horse therapy and hunting and fishing, all these could be funded by the government, but instead we'd rather leave equipment in a foreign country or, uh, you know, pay people that aren't lawfully here to come here. And, you know, we do a lot of dumb shit with our money point blank. And we'll pay to educate you, but not our own people. Yeah. I mean, you can go to jail, go pick up a felony. No offense towards any of my vets or friends that are felons. Cause I do have a few, unfortunately, but you know, you go pick up a felony in most state institutions, you can get a four-year degree if you do it right. You know, and it's like, I I got the GI Bill, the college fund, and the post-9-11 college fund, still have almost 100 k in student loan debts. And that that's what I'm saying is it's like, we got to demand accountability in our government. It's not party-based, it's common sense-based. And if you have people that are squandering funds or... Uh, not being a part of the positive change, let's get patriots and thinkers back in office. Let's get the new generation that's really going to fix this country instead of the old one that campaigns on one or two terms and sits in there until they fall apart in their chair. I mean, that's, you know, you know what I mean? It's just, it's ridiculous. Okay, homies. Okay, hold on for a minute. Let me try to get this. Do we lose the feed? No, uh, can you can you see the screen on the side? Yeah, I can see it just fine. Okay, no, I'm, I'm pulling this up for a reason. I don't know if it's going to allow me to. Uh... All 
don't know why it's showing like so far back like that. I'm trying to can what's my screen look like right now? Can you see what I'm showing about the US Department of Justice cops? Yeah, it's yeah, it's okay. center. Yeah. Okay, so the reason I'm bringing this up is in regard to because you see so many different agencies, veterans, law enforcement individuals themselves. There are so many grants, and, and I'm going to have this conversation with you when after this broadcast as well, too, to kind of introduce you to some of the things that you actually qualify for so that you can expand the resources. But I just want individuals to, you know, have a grasp on some of the things that are available and what is being given. <clears throat> so with this right here, let me increase the... So in here, you can see how much funding was given out, you know, and this is based on the states. And what we have here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. So 13 states, 13 mm -hmm. out of 50 plus the territories, you know, took the time to file the grant for the Anti-Heroin Task Force Program Awards that anybody that filed was eligible to receive the funding, right? But yeah. it's just that a lot of individuals aren't taking the steps to do that. A lot of individuals aren't aware that there are so many grants out there for yourself, for organizations like yourself, to where, you know, we can make things happen. You know, and that's why I do what I do to kind of educate individuals and provide them resources like this, because it is, it, it's vital that we understand that in ways that, you know, we can grow with one another in making this happen. Well, and, no, know, and I, I agree, but I mean, there's, there's also too, you know, like a lot of nonprofits have people that are experienced grant writers. And then, as you know, it's the same thing like a VA claim. If it's not perfect, it doesn't work. And, you know, every time I've tried to work with one locally, for example, they're involved in 15 other projects and not always veteran ones. And it's phone tag. And then we meet up and they promise me the world. And, you know, you're back to square one. So it's right. And I try to rely writing. on so that's myself. One of the reasons, well, that's why I'm, I'm going to talk to you outside of this broadcast. I do grant writing and I take so much nice. passion and pride and especially with what you're doing. I mean, and I mean, because A, you know, I don't care what anybody at home thinks you deserve to get paid for, you know, what you're doing, because a, if you didn't have the mindset to even say, Hey, you know what? I've experienced these because you don't have to fucking even have this. So others don't have to be down and out. You didn't have to do that. You have a passion in yourself and you want to make those provisions. There's no reason why you shouldn't be paid for your provisions. There's no reason. It's not like you're being greedy about, it. you know what I mean? Just enough no, I get to it. feed you, the family, and everything else. And then also, not only that, where let's say the resources, you know, because, you know, you're being limited on those that are, you know, making this happen for you or alongside with you. If that's limited, the individuals that could receive your services are also what? They're limited. And, and that shouldn't be the case, you know, because you've taken a step forward to ensure and to actually take action on and addressing an issue. You know, and I commend you over and over and over again. And like you just said, there's no reason why states in general couldn't have a 1% or even just a 3%. It sounds small, but when you look at an overall budget for any municipality, city, state, whatever the case is, 1-3% is fucking huge to what it actually could provide for those in need. You know, so, and 
I know that was a little long-winded. I apologize to everybody at home, but uh, you know, it's it needs to be addressed. And you know, you and I will have that discussion outside of this as well too, because I have different resources that I I want to push this forward. That's why I want to bring you on here, expose what it is that you provide, you know, to the viewers watching and everything else as well too. So well, it's I mean. I, I appreciate it. And like I said, you know, I, I believe iron sharpens iron, you know, and I think the way to get better is to, you know, I hate to use the analogy because I don't golf. I don't enjoy it. I, I won't say my opinion on golf on here, but uh, anyway, it's like your short and long game, right? So I'm not always good at everything. I'm the face of the organization. I'm the idea guy. I do a lot of other roles, but if I had some other people, pick up the slack or improve my short game where I'm lacking, I think it would run even better and I can't do everything, but it's hard to, you know, number one, find more veterans to come on board or, you know, veteran supporters, number one, number two, it's hard to get people to do it for free. That's another, you know, obstacle you run into. And it's, you know, obviously you got to travel and go to other people's events. And again, right now that's also very limited too. And plus I'm not going to wear a mask at 30,000 feet. Sorry, I'm not doing it, but. <laughs> okay. So now with, with that being said, you know, you know, cause I share this in the different veteran groups and things like that on Facebook as well. I'm going to share my screen again. If you want to guide me through this as well, too, because I want to show people at home watching. So, you know, I implore any veterans at home watching and, you know, as Nick has, you know, stated during this broadcast to where he'd like to see this in other cities, other states. So those at home watching right now. You know, if you would want to be a part of greater veterans to where, you know, Nick doesn't have to run himself so thin and everybody can actually do their part to come in and make that difference using your own experience, using the things you've been through, your family's been through. Just go to his contact page on the greaterveterans.org and go to the contact page and send him a message. You know, let Nick know that you'd like to be a part of what he's doing in the promotion of or, you know, what it is that you have available that you could actually put into this organization so that, you know, you, your family, veterans alike are able to receive the resources that, you know, you should be entitled to. Is there anything else you want to add to that as well, Nick? Uh, no, I mean, that's that's personally uh, all I can think of. I mean, it, you know, any any donation helps. I mean, I try and always post them because we get donations through the link on Facebook every now and then you get those, what are they called? Network for good or whatever it is where they tax the hell out of it. But I've gotten checks as small as five bucks and of course bigger too. And I, it doesn't say who donates them. So I always, when I get those, I try and make a point of going on there and thanking whoever it was. Cause I don't know. And you know, every little bit helps. I mean, every penny does something. It's just, you know, we want to do more. We want to grow because we want to do more. It's, you know, like that uh, Zig Ziglar uh, quote, and I'll screw it up. So I'll just paraphrase it. Cause I can't quote even the Bible. Perfect. I'll be honest. Um, if you, if you do a job you like, you never work a day in your life. This is something I'm passionate about helping my country, my community, and my brothers and sisters and their families. And, 
I'd like to do it full time, a hundred percent, you know, be able to just do this and only this while the kids are in school and then afterwards be a family man as much, much as possible. That's what I want to do. It's who I am. And hopefully someday with some help that comes to fruition. I mean, I've been working on it almost seven years, so hopefully soon. You know, and that was spot on on Zig Ziglar's quote. You know, and was it? it? Was, you know, it's spot on, trust me. And he was one of my, like, life coaches, you know, because I started my my whole career in, like, you know, real estate and everything else, too, and I'd always, you know, go to the different seminars and listen to it and stuff like that. And that's it's funny you brought that up because that's one of the quotes that actually stuck with me. It's why I do what I do in every career I select. You know, I'm not one of them guys that just dive into something that, oh, I'll do this just for the dollar. It's I have to have a passion about it because it's the – it's like, you know – blinking your eyes it's just it's a natural movement it's a natural instinct and it's one of the things that transitions from i have to go to work till i get to go to work you know this is what i love doing this is the service i like providing for you know others their families their businesses their organizations whatever the case may be you know so yeah that's that's the truth behind that and i also want to get into i know you're in the process of writing a book you know about 100 pages less or whatever about you know, the, the things behind that. So, you know, what's, what's your book going to entail and, you know, what's kind of like the message or, you know, what's the overall objective of the book? So it's, it's untitled right now. I'm kind of leaning towards titling it the greater truth because a lot of it is about truth and stuff I've experienced personally and can talk about, but it's going to be, you know, about my childhood kind of, what led me to military service, some experiences that are not classified, not that I have a bunch of classified stuff in my record, but, you know, it's not just another war book, not saying those don't need to be told those stories, but it's, it's going to be kind of something in there for everybody. There's some poetry I write, some thoughts I have, uh, sayings, beliefs, different. It's kind of a good mix. A lot of shout outs of different people I've had the privilege of meeting or working with through the nonprofit journey. And it's not a name drop to sell a book. It's just some of the names I've encountered is kind of like an homage and a thank you for helping me on the journey thing instead of a, Hey, let's put a big name in the book and sell a million copies. Cause I'm probably going to self publish just because I want more money coming back this way. Right. You know, another thing too, that, you know, I want to kind of put this in perspective for the viewers as well too. And, you know, a message to you as well, too, Nick, that, you know, I hope during like the editing process of it and everything else that, you know, because you stated that you're about to talk about your childhood and everything else, too. And I, I believe that's vital, you know, because it's one of the questions that I lead into almost every broadcast when I ask an individual, what led you into this? OK, so you sharing in that book, your childhood, that's going to as people read that, it's going to help put in perspective of why you enlisted or even the decisions you made, you know, that latter in your life, but it, it's vital. So, I mean, I, I pray that, you know, you maintain that portion of that book because it's going to be vital to every chapter thereafter because it's the why you made the decision. It's, you know, how you were brought up and things like that, you know, so. Well, I and I, I say it. You know, again, paraphrasing, there's some other words in there, but I talk about uh, growing up, you know, how abusive my stepdad was, right? And he's a veteran himself. He didn't really, you know, deploy or do anything, but he served. And uh, 
he hated me because I wasn't his kid, you know, kind of thing. And I talk about around the time of the Rodney King beatings, not to glorify him in any former fashion. But I talk about how I seen that on TV as a kid and got beat like that at home and didn't realize you could get paid money for getting your ass whooped. I mean, kind of thing. And, you know, I, I talk about some of these thoughts I had when certain events happened, you know, that I experienced growing up. And then, you know, just some of my thoughts in my writings, whether it's a poetry thing, whether it's a quote thing, I just want to put as much of me out there as possible because there's, I think there's too many people in society that hide behind a camera or a Social keyboard. Media. Yeah, or an award they got in the military instead of being them true selves. Like, you know, I, I grew up, you know, an athlete, and I always thought, you know, playing music was lame as hell. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, that's something nerds do that can't play football or wrestle, right? Like, that was my mindset growing up. And now I'm like, you know how much more fun life would be if I wasn't beat to hell from sports in the military? And how cool it is to watch, like, a Stevie Ray Vaughn or – you know, Jimi Hendrix just pick up a guitar and set the strings on fire. That's cool, right? I wish I could do that. And then my kids are taking, like, my daughter specifically interest in that. And I'm like, do what you want. Express art. Like, I talk about lately, uh, not to get too off topic, but when I got out of the military in Germany, I bred a certain type of aquarium fish called discus fish. And there's about, I don't know, probably 1,500 different colors they come in, and they're Bigger than an angelfish, but they're flat like a bluegill that you can catch in the lakes. But they come in real vibrant colors, and I used to breed those. And I noticed stuff with nature helps me relax more my spirit. Like, I don't listen to a lot of heavy metal anymore because – not because I don't enjoy it, but because it amps me up too much. Whereas, like, a country or, like, an Irish drinking music kind of gives me more of a, a middle ground. So – you know, just different things I've learned over the years that helped me. I mean, I've tried yoga. It kicked my ass. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but, you know, just different things I enjoy and stuff that helps me because I figure if I talk about stuff that people have in common or might be surprised by, I think that's going to help other people uh, open up and heal ultimately. Awesome. Thank you for that. You know, and, and and that's, that's another thing, too, that, you know, a lot of individuals take for granted when we read books or read articles. It's like how much is put into the writing of that and just having so much, like, that you want to put down there. It's like, hey, how do I get this in sequence? And that's where, like, good editing and everything else come into play and a lot of stuff, too. But, you know, everything that you just mentioned is so vital, you know, and especially in the mental health sector that, you know, that there are ways of dealing with, that compression that our minds have or the traumas that our mind has. And, you know, you spoke earlier about how like PTSD and how, you know, like I think the very first phrase for that was like shell shock because it, it defined what it was. It was, <laughs> they were shell shocked from the sounds, the bangs, everything else, and just what they witnessed and, you know, softening through the generations and things like that. You know, we've got the, the post-traumatic stress disorder. And then, you know, I, I love the new, you know, twist on that to where it has injury to where it's not a disorder. It's something that we can't overcome with proper therapy, treatment and things like that as well, too. And it's little things like, you know, you writing the book and an individual being able to read that to where they can associate themselves to maybe some of the traumas of the childhood abuse that you sustained, ways you were able to overcome that, the associations that you made with what you've seen and, you know, the changes that are making. 
you know, because it's stuck with you. And it's why, you know, the, the progression of everything, a lot of us, you know, despite traumas that we sustain, we can either digress through life or we can make that progression and use that as fuel to, you know, climb the highest mountains per se, you know? So I commend you again for that as well, too. And I mean, it's just that, you know, I pray that you're able to encapsulate all that. And I mean, just that little bit you gave me, I doubt you're going to be able to keep it under a hundred pages, but hey, you know, but. <clears throat> well, I mean, it's a goal. I mean, I, I just, I figure my thought behind trying to cap it there, you know, a hundred pages or less, preferably less, isn't just about, you know, what it costs to print, et cetera. It's also, if you put a message out there that takes too long to read, that's a life, in my opinion, that's not going to be able to be saved. Whereas if I get this out there and it's a quicker read and kind of encompasses more people, it's not just about helping veterans and first responders. It's anybody and everybody I can help just with honesty. I mean, you know, that's, that's what causes a lot of people to go down that suicide and that, you know, self-harm route. Like when I was 16 when one of my first friends committed suicide. And that was my first true experience with suicide was when I was 16. And, you know, it, it started with drug addiction for this individual. And then his parents saying they didn't love him because they didn't understand. And then just it snowballed. And before I know it, I'm getting a phone call saying so-and-so's dead. And then, you know, and by the time I was, That's real though. I mean, cause it's the, and again, survivor guilt, you know, a lot of us, a lot of individuals don't realize that how that really affects us, especially when something like that, would you say 16 years old to where it's the, uh, you know, we beat ourselves down. Why didn't they call me? Or, you know, maybe I should have done a buddy check more often with my friends or family and stuff like that to where you can really make a difference. And if somebody reads your words to where they don't feel so alone to where, Hey, look, you're not the only person that, you're, that had their parents tell them that they were worthless. You know, I got thrown out when I was 12. You know, so it's the that, that relation as far as the, hey, look, you're not alone in this world. You know, somebody else experienced this as well, too. Here are different ways that, you know, I was able to overcome that, you know, so that, that's vital. And I'm, I'm glad you just brought that up because that is a message that so many individuals need to hear. And not only that, but that message, you know, ultimately could be something that saves somebody's life. And even if it is just one person that read it and you spared their life for even if it was just for the minutes that they took to read it you still save their life regardless of how you look at it, you know? So stick well, with that. And, and we got to, you know, like when I've taken some, uh, you know, calls from suicidal veterans and reached out to try and help them overcome whatever it is. A lot of times what I'm discovering is a lot of vets move away from areas where their family is maybe because of a bad upbringing or a job opportunity that fell through or a relationship, whatever. Right. But majority of the time, I'm seeing it as one of those three things. And then they experience guys and gals alike. They don't go to the gym as much or whatever else. They're not getting enough attention from whatever their desired physical partner is or opposite sex, whatever. And it just it causes them to spiral too, you know, and I've seen that. And it's like you know, they call you and they're depressed or you get a hold of them. And within 10 minutes in the call, you're like, cool, you know, you're not dead yet. So obviously there's something I can help with. So what's going on? What really is bothering you? Let's talk about 
you know, adult to adult, what the hell's going on here? Because here's the thing people don't think about. Like, uh, the, I believe he was a major in the Army that made national news a couple years ago or a lieutenant colonel that killed himself at a VA parking lot because he couldn't get services, right? That should never happen. But here's the thing. If you, if you kill yourself as a veteran, especially in a place like the VA, right? Other vets see it. Your kids see it as permission, kind of like an acceptable thing. It might be another vet that's in charge of cleaning you up, sorry to be graphic, or investigating your your incident. And that's what I'm saying. And then it might be a vet reporter covering it, and it just snowballs from there. It's, and that's a, it's great a chain point. reaction. And, well, another thing, too, though, is the flip side to that as the reasoning why individuals make that decision to like kind of leave the mark. Because in yeah. today's society, the sad reality is the very fact that it takes a fucking tragedy for anybody to even take action. You know, you could put in a million petitions and it's just shoved off the desk of whatever politician or whatever respective community leader is sitting there. But then all of a sudden a tragedy happens. It's like, oh, well, maybe we should have addressed that bridge before it collapsed, you know, five years ago when we were first addressed about it. You know, so a lot of individuals, that's it isn't because they're really giving up on themselves. They are making that sacrifice and it's, it seems so selfish and everything else, but that is the real reason. Like you just said, you know, he did it because he couldn't receive the services. Well, Hey, I'm going to show you, you're going to make a change now and start addressing these issues because this is a real issue. You know, it, it, it sounds saying it's a, a dark view of that, but it's a view that needs to be had because a lot of individuals are doing that to leave a message. Just the same as a lot of individuals that attempt suicide, they really don't want the suicide. They just want people to say, well, hey, why are you considering this? What is really going on up here? You know, and how can I help or how can any other resource help? You know, so it, it needs to be spoken about. You know, and that's what like, you know, some of the things, my past broadcasts and things that I do actively every day is the, the whole thing about smashing the stigma. Because if nobody knows that shit's bothering you, we can't do anything as a whole to ensure that, you know, we're all able to step above and beyond the different traumas we've all faced, you know, so. Well, and it's like recently a friend of mine, she's not a vet herself, but her, uh, her husband had some issues and she reached out to me. So we sent him, you know, just something simple, like a personalized note, a couple of t-shirts for him and some of our armbands, just something simple to say, hey, we're here, we care. Sometimes something as simple as that can cause someone to reach out or to, you know, push through whatever the pile of debris is they're trying to get around. I mean, it's it's taking a uh, permanent, I won't say solution, but taking something permanent to resolve a temporary issue in a lot of times, right? And, you know, it's we, we got to get back to that, you know, don't be too manly or too adult or too womanly, whatever you want to say to reach out to someone and say, Hey, look, I know you don't provide this. Do you know someone who does, or, Hey, I'm really struggling right now. Do you have time to take a call? I usually have enough time and try and make time to take at least a couple calls every, you know, 24 hours, no matter how busy I am. And, you know, my wife's understanding and she doesn't have to be, and she chooses to be. And, you know, sometimes we get in arguments because of it and it's normal, but, you know, I, I try and tell people, you know, I can't always take calls on the fly, but if it's urgent, I will just text me and let's figure out what's going on and how we can help. 
and, and I'm, the, I'm the same way too, so I can relate to, you know, a lot of people say, hey, when do you sleep? You know, that's why I look like death half the time, you know, but it's the, that's my passion. It's, I don't, I don't care. I mean, that's, that's the only thing that I thrive on. It makes me happy is, you know, seeing other people at their best in life, you know, watching them flourish, or if it's my one word that can instill quality of life back into an, another individual. And, you know, what sickens me about today's society, not as a whole, but the vast majority of individuals that walk around and they always got something stupid to say about, oh, well, they should do this different or, oh, oh my God, there's this problem. But nobody's taken that initiative to where, hey, what, what is a half hour out of your day to be able to have your phone available for somebody that's in need to reach out to? You know what I mean? Nobody wants to put on the badge, but they want to sit here and down law enforcement. Nobody wants to enlist in the military, but they want to talk about what you know difference the veterans could have done while they were serving everything else like that. And it's just a bunch of bullshit to where, you know, you always have these sideliners that think they know what's best for an individual or what we could do to fix the issue, but they don't themselves want to ingrain themselves within whatever cause or, you know, volunteering for greater veterans so that they could actually provide a service to a veteran, you know, to uplift them, their families or anything else like that. It's fucking sickening. You know, so again, well, I, I mean, I, I, yeah. Take take law enforcement, for example. You know, I know Spokane's police chief who does a hell of a job. Um, his wife last year, I think she got like captain of the year nationally. I don't know how they judge it, but she does a lot of great stuff. The sheriff's a friend of mine. Uh, he's a veteran as well as a police chief. And I think his wife is too, but they do a lot of good jobs and outreach and they passed a bill in Washington state, which I hate to even say my home state did something so damn dumb but basically all law enforcement here turned in their shotguns because they can't even use ballistic or uh, non-lethal like your beanbag rounds your rubber bullets they're not even allowed to use those in their shotguns so they had officers turn them in to avoid the liability and then they have limited use of how they can use canines and so i i tell people one solution like you say, okay, law enforcement is or isn't doing this, right? So here's the thing. In theory, if you paid more, you could get better applicants, right? But here's the thing. If you're going to say they need to train more, you need to pay more in their budget to train. But you can't train because you need more officers. And because everyone walking off because of vaccine mandates and lawsuits and stress and blah, 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 everything. Then you're short officers. So if well, you don't have that, a lot of you can't a lot, a lot of, Well, a lot of the American public, because the media doesn't show it anymore, they, they did it for their, their little ply during the election. But a lot of Americans in the civilian sector don't realize that riots are still going on up there in Washington and things going around. You know, everybody's still combating over ignorance, that, you know, because they're uneducated on the realities of things. You know, but it's not on the media anymore because it doesn't play into their agenda or their role of why they were, you know, broadcasting every time you turn on the news. Oh, my God, look at these riots. They don't realize that. And then now you have the law enforcement officers in the Northwest that are having to work, you know, 12, 15 hours because officers are leaving because they're not going to tolerate the different mandates or anything else. They're, you know, because yeah. they're, they're putting their lives at risk. Hey, let's de-arm you. Let's broadcast it on TV and the news that we just disarmed you to, you know, incite, you know, the public to start, oh, look, now we can go do this. We don't have to worry about it. You know, we're, we're protected now, you know, to where well, and, and look, that's what they're doing. They're taking away the fact that law enforcement is in place to protect you. 
and making it seem like now you're protected because law enforcement is disarmed or restricted. That's fucking retardation and it's complete. You know I mean? I, I don't well, yeah, in a derogatory way, but that's the reality of it. I don't care. Any well, yeah. And look, anything, look so. how it snowballed into society though. I mean, so then you take that, right? So then you got a law abiding citizen. I got my master's in the administration of justice security, my bachelor's in criminal justice. So I'm not anti-cop by any means. But then you take that, so then you have state patrol, for example, the officers that left obviously support medical freedom, whether they're vaccinated or not, so irrelevant. But then the ones that you state, then I struggle with my own view of them. Did they, did they stay because they feared taking a chance in life or wanted to provide for their family close to retirement? Or are they corrupt pieces of shit? So then I struggle with my view of them. Then you take that, how it snowballs at a national level, right? Because everything starts local before it gets national. And you look at the military. So you got SEALs, who I love. I know have a lot of friends that are SEALs, and they're great people and obnoxious as hell, and I appreciate it. So I love a lot of those types. And uh, anyway, you got, I think the number was like 627 or something that are refusing the the vaccine so they're getting booted out right with a dishonorable or a less than honorable whatever total bullshit my exact words but on top of that now lloyd austin and miley and those try and refrain but uh lovely individuals are saying they're going to go after the cost of training them too it's like no and then you got, uh, and I don't care about the transgender thing. You know, I'll say it openly and honestly. Whatever you do is your business. Live your life. As long as you're not out breaking the law and being a, you know, shitbag, I'm cool with it, right? But you got this Levine, Rachel, whatever his, her name is, that walks in Joe Blow off the street, never served a damn day in the military, and everyone from E1 all the way up to a damn four-star general should be pissed about it no matter which way they vote or pee, walks in and puts four stars on her collar, you know, looking like a methed out Danny DeVito and Batman playing the penguin. And that's, that's a disgrace. That's a slap, slap in my face. opinion of everyone that served and died protecting this country past, present, future. Because if you were a private, at least you served, then you have some understanding but to go in off the street and put four stars on your collar that you didn't earn, I mean, I don't know. It just infuriates me, and I don't care which gender or genders an individual is or which way they vote or pee. I don't give a damn about any of that, but that's ridiculous. That's absurd, and that's what I'm saying. It snowballs with the decay of society. Yeah. I mean, you, you allow one thing. It, it, and that's the perfect example. I'm glad you you know put it in that retrospect because that is how it happens. You know, it's the hey, we get away with this. Hey, let's push it to the next bar. Hey, we get away with this. Let's push it to the next bar. And kind of to go back to the very beginning of this broadcast about you know the elimination of our freedoms. That's how it happens. It's that that little bit at a time. That little bit at a time. That little bit at a time. Then all of a sudden, well, you, you never your plate's empty. Well, you never get it back. Like, so, for example, um, going back to that that particular issue, like Kristen Beck, who's a retired Navy SEAL, SEAL Team 6, did a lot of cool stuff. Good friend of mine, right? She happens to be 
you know, in the, I'm not going to say the acronym because I'll leave one out, piss someone off, but she's transgender, right? She's open about it. She gets a lot of grief about it. And I've learned a lot from her uh, militarily in terms of what she went through. And, you know, it's all about helping vets. She's a good part of our team. And I lean on her for a lot of things too, right? But this is an individual that served under her birth name and her new name isn't that much different, but she recently encountered a holy hell incident with the VA trying to get a surgery that service connected because she changed her name from Chris to Kristen. And she served our country honorably for 20 plus years at a high level, 13 combat deployments, but yet Rachel Levine or whatever the hell her name is, Danny DeVito's ugly sister brother walks in off the street and puts on four damn stars. And I know someone similar that actually did serve and is getting shit on by the very same system. And to me, it's like, look, if you serve honorably, you get what you get coming, right? And you deserve it. If you change your name, how is that any different than a woman get married and taking her husband's last name? It's still the same damn person. person. Exactly. And there's so many minor things like this that get blown up into national issues because people are dumbasses behind the system. And it's it's like we need to unify as a veteran community and as an American society and decide what things are okay and what things aren't and stick to our guns. And we already did that a couple hundred years ago when we wrote a constitution and no one wants to follow it. Well, let's amend it. No, let's not. That's what Americans are supposed to be. We're fierce warriors. We're fierce lovers. We love our freedoms. That's it. Anything that goes against that is un-American. It's already been decided. We've all been raised that way. But now you got people because... Don't they fit have, my agenda. Let's change it. Yeah, no, let's not say we did. God, right. it's, it's ridiculous. Like, you, you look at growing up, I mean, I think we're about the same age. I'm 40, <coughs> but... Uh, you know, growing up, we did the Pledge of Allegiance in school, you know, and some schools don't even do that anymore. I don't even know if my daughter's school does it, to be honest. I should probably ask. But something so simple, it's – and, you know, I've heard people say, well, it's racist or it's this or it's that. And it's – what it is is, in my opinion, it's unifying not only under one flag and one cause, but one very patriotic cause that there'll be some of us willing to die to protect and that's what it's about. That's what America is. If you don't want to sacrifice, fine. But some of us will gladly. All we're asking for is what we earned. We're not asking for more, just what we earned. And we're okay with you being a different religion, a different whatever. Every but don't, country in don't the world take my has a flag. You know, that's that's the, the funny thing about it is, you know, people associate, like you just said, you know, people associate the flag with racism or, you know, this, that, or the other. Every country has a flag. That flag represents their foundation of why they stand. Our national anthem is a foundation of why we stand. You know, I challenge anybody viewing this or that will view in the future to show me one line within our national anthem that deploys racism in any sense. You know, I mean, it's just... And then when you, when you educate these ignorant fools and let them know about, like, especially with like the Civil War, with yeah. the Confederate Army of how many African-Americans served in that Confederate Army. 
you know, and that's the whole blind side to everything as well, too, to where, you know, oh, it's racist. You know, it's just uneducated people making decisions. And well, it this gets, offends me. <laughs> well, it gets thrown around too much, you know, like, I mean, the word itself, it's look at what it means. I mean, if someone says something you don't agree with, OK, it might be messed up. It might not be right, according to you that doesn't mean they're racist, you know? And that's what I'm saying is we're, we're at a critical point right now where education's key, but also deeds are key. And by deeds, I mean, putting in the work saying, Hey, look, here's how we fix it, provide solutions. Cause if you just complain about something and don't provide a solution, it is complaining. But if you speak out and you're vocal and you advocate and you lay a path that you believe based on your research experience, et cetera, on how to fix things, and it's ignored, then you just got to keep beating that drum louder and gain momentum because that's, again, an American way is to be a fighter. That's what we do. But, I mean, it's it's so frowned upon to have testosterone nowadays. And, you know, it's, I mean, you, you look at a lot of these movements and it's like, you know, we, we got to start, we got to start telling the truth. I mean, you know. And, and that's broadcasting things to where, you know, going back to, you know, if an individual wants to be an individual, fucking be who you want to be. Man. We don't have to have all these, you know, broadcasting everywhere, you know, cities painting the shit on their walls about, you know, all these different movements and things like that. If you believe in something, go live your fucking life that way. You know, instead yeah. of, you know, sitting there trying to promote something, because you look at half these clowns, it's almost like the individuals that, you know, go to church on Sunday, but, you know, they're the Antichrist the other six days of the week. You know, or even the seven days, and only that Christian for that little hour that they're actually in church. You know, and it's the same thing with all these different movements, all these different causes. You know, their actions are not reinforcing their beliefs. It's not reinforcing what they just spoke to you about. And that's the aggravating thing about it is the fact that, like you just said perfectly with, you know, the deeds. You know, hey, it's one thing to have something in principle or in practice, but what are you actually doing to make that difference or to put it into fruition? You know, so well, I mean, like, look, look, for example, uh, recently. Right. So I left my job. I got disqualified for unemployment the same day after they approved or the next day after they approved me. Because I said I didn't agree with the president's decisions and some other issues. I'm not going to mention on here why I left. I got sick of the B.S. But they assume because I said I'm sick of the president's decisions, it was because of the vaccine, even though that's not mentioned. But you can't get new, anyone on the phone here to contest that. But you're OK giving money to people that don't deserve it, that are uh, perennial shitbags or coming here to do us harm. You're OK with giving them large chunks of money. And it's that's what I'm saying is it's like. We don't have to redefine, you know, things like who's a citizen, who can vote, who can't, because it's already in the Constitution. If you are not a U.S. citizen by birth or naturalization, you are not a citizen. That is already identified in the Constitution, right? But hey, it's not up for debate. <laughs> yeah. And I told my wife, I said, I'm about ready to go get, you know, sleep in the woods for a week, walk across and identify as an illegal alien for the $450,000. And then show my VA card right after I get the check and say, screw you. I mean, it's it's just, it's ridiculous. Throwing money at something or a cause isn't going to fix it. You know, I don't and, care what. And, and that's so backwards, though, is that, you know, why 
why would you promote something like that to where it entices, it encourages, it's, you know, displaying well, I think you, you know, you know, you know why probably the same as I do that I'm not going to say on right. here, but I call the United Nations the useless nations. And I've, you know, obviously know people and have done that type of stuff. And I just, I don't see the point. I mean, a one world economy is not a good thing. Yeah, I mean, because it takes away from, you know, the, the ones that are trying to do it right. You know, I mean, and a lot of people that are unfamiliar with what it takes to become a U.S. citizen from another country. I mean, some well, of these my individuals did the process. Out. So, you know, so you know. that's what I'm saying. So, you know, exactly firsthand. So, you know, when yeah. when they try to bring their families over with them, <coughs> excuse me, you know, they actually have to show that they can support this individual that they're bringing over. They have to show financial support that they can financially support this individual for at least one year while they're trying to become citizens themselves. So you have this sector of individuals like your wife that did it the right way, you know, and they're seeing, you know, hey, we're promoting people to do it the wrong way. We're going to give you money if you do it the wrong way. Well, well and, and I'm not against I'm not against people immigrating here to other countries, right? I'm not at all against that. I want us to continue to be the land of opportunity. But with all that being said, just to make it point blank, crystal is, you know what, clear that I want it done the right way, right? We can be the land of opportunity, <coughs> but we can't take opportunity away from people that are already here or that are already citizens or that serve our country as veterans, as first responders, et cetera. We can't take away their opportunities, their freedoms, and their money to give it to someone else and just hand it to them like free candy. We can't do that either. We got to have the balance. You know, there's got to be the happy medium and we need to, that's not a racist concept. Other countries do the same shit. Germany, I had to do a visa to stay there and work as a DOD civilian. And I had to go through a rigorous process, right? For the two years I was contracting. And that's, that's not racist. That's what they do. You either fill out the paperwork or you can get the hell on. It's the law. <laughs> well, it's, that's what I'm saying. So either we have to completely get rid of borders everywhere that everyone's happy or we have to have a process. Right. And you don't want, I'm not against hard workers coming to our country. I'm not against people freeing, you know, fleeing asylum or fleeing, you know, bad situations to seek asylum here. You know, we had, we had a guy at work when I was still working at the airport from the Congo and he brought his family over and works he was working three and four jobs until he could afford to pay for it and still practices his own religion still works his tail off luckily when they got here his wife was able to get a job so he could drop down to two jobs and he he went to the casino once in a while still enjoyed american beer but still practices his own stuff and i'm cool with that right but let's let's set a standard and stick to it let's not let political agendas or you know, the media influence what America is and people don't want to do that. They don't want to tell the truth. And then, you know, we can't keep sending our men and women to war and not take care of them when they come home either. That's un-American. You know, I mean, look at look at the VA's original mission statement when it was designed by Abraham Lincoln. That's how long the VA has been around in some form or fashion. And again, I'm going to have to paraphrase it because I don't have it in front of me and I'll misquote it. But the gist of it 
is to say is to provide lifelong cost-free medical care to those that bear the burden of battle. I think that's actually in there, but it's for them and their family, right? Lifelong cost-free. And all we're asking for is us, the veteran, to be taken care of. And we're struggling with that. And it's like, this was created to take care of us and our family. And we're only asking for us. And you guys can't even do that. Yeah. And, and then that's to the same too with the same thing with social security that goes with veterans care as well, too, that certain yeah. taxes are paid in specifically <laughs> for these provisions. There is no possible way, you know, and Reagan addressed it back in his administration, that there's no possible way that the, a, the social security administration could be, millions upon millions of dollars in debt to where 83% of individuals that pay in the social security die before they collect one cent. Same thing with the veterans administration. You have all this yep. money being paid in that, you know, you, your family, others are entitled to that. It's the, well, we don't have the provisions. We don't have the money. Well, where the fuck did it go? Because it was specifically set in place to provide for, you know, you, your family, other veterans that served, you know, and so that they don't have to be, on a decline rather than being able to have that quality of life that they deserved and they fought for and they earned period. Well, and that, that's exactly right. But you know, like another thing, you know, kind of off topic, but you look at even in a freer state like yours uh, in Florida, but you look at all the pointless taxes and fees and permits you have to have, like go basic, say concealed weapons permit, in itself <laughs> is technically speaking unconstitutional because no one in the right Second Amendment. Yeah, I mean, you have states like Alaska where a felon can carry because of the state itself and the wildlife and that, but yet you're still going to say, "Hey, I need a concealed carry permit." Why? You have Arizona and I think uh, Idaho and I think there's a couple others that went with constitutional carry that no longer require it. But then you take something even more basic that applies to more people, uh, registering your car or registering your pet. So you're going you're gonna to tell me if my dogs are in my yard or on a leash or in my vehicle at all times, that's the only places they are, the only time they're not in one of those places when they're on the living room floor passed out, right? <laughs> that I need to pay you almost a hundred bucks a year per dog. And then you can tell me how many I can legally own. Why? For what? You know, that's, or even something as simple as energy, charging people for energy and water, something that occurs naturally in nature. You're going to charge me a monthly fee for using water. I mean, it's that's what I'm saying. Let's let's talk about some of these fees and taxes. You want to increase funding for veteran programming or give away money? Let's talk about how we can get more of it back in our pocket as people, right? Like everyone's like, we want more made in America. So do I. But the bottom line is if we have to outsource everything because we're taxing American companies so heavily to operate here and to produce here then we're cutting our own throats on that too. And those well, are, those thing are too, things with, people don't you know, think uh, about. You know, a lot, a lot of things like going with that is a lot, a lot of people don't understand that the reason why we're able to have the economy we have today and fair market trade, you know, under the you know, socialism, capitalism, blah, 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 
you know, is because we have foreign trade. So it is vital that, you know, we kind of do that exchange of goods because if it was everything 100% American made, do you know how much an individual would pay for a simple vehicle or, oh, you, yeah. know, you know, it would, it would be astronomical, you know, but it's kind of well, that, that business side is out of sight, out of mind to a lot of people. So it's the, but I mean, I do want to see, you know, more factories opening up here, but you know, the big corporate chain, oh, it's cheaper to go do it over here. Or there's so many regulations and taxes that like you just said, you know, why do those taxes have to be there? Why would you not, lower the taxes for the business owners that are giving up because then you know you're providing jobs you're providing goods i mean you're meeting every need across the board so why not lower those taxes lower those fees and it's just ignorance well i mean look at uh you know look at all this stuff just in in a simpler form i mean like say say you take uh the legalization of marijuana right nationally not just state by state right they did that for the taxes exactly because here's here's the thing right you can grow it yourself not saying you should or shouldn't that's a personal choice but what what harmful effects comes from marijuana use typically like let's just talk on a pure american level right so if you get high you're gonna order fast food most likely right that stimulates the economy you might want to partake in some uh, fun times with the old lady, right? That makes another American. But what it comes down to ultimately is that big tobacco farms aren't growing marijuana and packaging it to where the government can tax the hell out of it. And that's the reason it's not nationally legal. It's not because someone goes out, smokes a joint, and they're like, you know what? I'm feeling kind of lazy today. I think I'm going to go shoot up a bank. I mean, that's not how it works. And the comedy you know, behind not, it, I mean, it's, it's not really comical, but the comedy behind that, that very fact, is that two of the most damaging, <clears throat> I'm not going to say drugs, but two of the most damaging, yeah, well, two of the most damaging drugs is alcohol and tobacco. Yet it's legal, yet it's because of that high taxation and what the government as a whole gets out of it. They don't care how you're destroying yourself. But what like, did it take to make alcohol legal again? When it yeah. wasn't, it took a bunch of gangsters saying, okay, cool, we're going to do it anyway. anyway. And a bunch of moonshiners that ultimately led to the creation of NASCAR based on how they were running the shine. And that's what I'm saying is it's 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 a personal choice. And it's sometimes we have to, I'm not saying legalize everything, right? But it's sometimes we got to realize, hey, we're paying taxes for a lot of stupid reasons. I mean, if you really uh sit and do you know this is a constitutional class but if you break down the constitution the mere uh creation of the irs for example is in itself unconstitutional or some other agencies that i'm not going to say on here but that's what i'm saying is it's it's about overreach and that's why i'm saying we got to do more stuff as people research our issues you know why are vets not getting help well, let's look. Are they not asking? Are the funds not being allocated? Is it a combination of the, all of the above? Do we have some bigger nonprofits that hoard all the money in the grants that just use it for salaries? What's what's really going on here? And we need to start asking these questions as as people, as veterans, as leaders, as servants, you know. And that's what America needs to get back to, in my opinion, is just, you know, figuring out what we are again. And 
we lost our way, but we didn't lose our identity. So let's be who we are and let's do the American thing. And we're all in this together. No one gets out alive. So let's live the best life we can, you know. And it takes them doing the deeds, you know. Exactly. So, and is there anything you want to touch base on that you, know, you kind of want to promote for yourself or, you know, let no individuals know how to access, you know, the greater veterans, which I think we got that all covered here. But is there anything that you want to, you know, let them know about services that are available or, you know, bringing people on board or, you know, when we can expect the book and anything like that? Or well, the book's probably, I would say, six months-ish. I mean, you gave me some contacts in the publishing editing side. I'm going to reach out to here very soon when I think I got it where I want it and then kind of have that conversation more realistically then. Um, don't let, I guess, even if you disagree with some of the stuff I said on here, don't let it turn you off from who I am or who Greater Veterans is because I do care. I do care about opposing point of views as well because I'm a firm believer in iron sharpening iron, but I'm also a firm believer in protecting our country uh, legally, of course. So, yeah, that's, I mean, that's basically it. If you need help with something, even if I don't directly do it, I know people that will or can. So, you know, I'm, I'm not afraid to give you a phone number, make a call for you. If you need a letter of recommendation for a landlord, for an employer, I'm fine having a half hour conversation with you and writing one nine times out of 10. Uh, you know, I, I just want to help people, man. I just want to live a good life, take care of my fellow vets, first responders, the community, and, you know, do the American thing. I mean, that's all it boils down to in that. Yeah, and <clears throat> another thing, too, is that at the bottom of the screen, individuals see the actual uh, link to your website. You know, I implore everybody at the bottom of the screen to, you know, visit the website, the www.greaterveterans.org and go to the contact page. You know, if you feel that there's something to offer, just like Nick just said, you know, you know, who cares if you disagree with some of the things he may have said, you know, have that conversation. I mean, you know, the iron does sharpen iron. And, you know, if a lot of times, like without sharing different beliefs that we each have, we can't grow together. But, you know, just go to his contact page. Let him know how you'd like to serve, you know, whether it's remotely or if you're in the Washington area there with him, you know, make a difference. You know, tell him, hey, I, I can dedicate a half hour. Is that any good to you? Or, hey, I'd like to do this full time just as you. Or if you're a grant writer, you have other services. It's going to be neat because in general, you guys are about the same cause and expand one another and things like that as well, too. So I implore everybody, you know, the bottom of the screen there, you'll see, you know, his the actual contact as well, too, for information, the email down there, and as well as the phone number. And I implore everyone to reach out to him as well. And Nick, thank you so much for your service in the past, then, now, and the continued service. And, you know, stay safe, stay blessed in all things. And I'm going to reach out to you, you know, here shortly once everything's you know done here as well, too, to kind of I'll email you over some different resources as well, too. All right. I appreciate you having me on and uh, having an open conversation. It's good to have a change of pace, you know? Yes, sir. And again, th thank you for everything and I'll speak to you here soon. All right.